You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, Packer fans? Hope you're having an awesome Tuesday afternoon. My name is Clayton Bailey. Welcome into Packers Total Access. Uh, you can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you want to email the show, you can do that by sending an email to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. You got a, got a comment, a question for the show, maybe a topic. Um, we might not be able to get to all of them, but we're trying to filter through those as quick as possible, and, and we've gotten some awesome feedback. As a matter of fact, today's show is geared all around emails. You guys have pretty much completely completely uh, produced the show today, which is awesome. I had to do a little bit of research to uh, try to put forth enough effort to, to make this worthwhile. Um, you know, to I don't say worthwhile, but to do it justice for the uh, the awesome topics that you guys put forth, and, and we're going to hit on those. We've got an email that's uh, actually going to uh, provoke a, uh, a history segment, which is George Hallis's, uh contributions to the Green Bay Packers. A lot of people look at Papa Bear Hallis, you know, as one of the founding fathers, if not the founding father of the Chicago Bears. He was also a, a great Hall of Fame coach. He actually played for the Bears before he coached. Um, we kind of look at him as an enemy, you know, a rival um, for the most part. But in all honesty, he played a big role in helping the Green Bay Packers as Curly Lambeau and the Packers helped uh, Chicago at times as well. So we're going to read the email that led to that history segment, as well as uh, another email that, that kind of asked me, hey, what's your favorite memory as a Packer fan? And i, I got to be honest, man, that was tough. There were so many great memories that popped in my mind, me being a Packer fan since 2003, and uh, I have narrowed it down to what I believe is probably my most favorite uh, uh, moment as a as a Packer fan of memory. So we're going to hit on that. And then we had another email that kind of talked about, hey, man, what are what are three uh, players that kind of stand out to you this year? And he gave his. Um, he asked, you know, give me your mover, give me your improver, and your bruiser. So we're going to hit on those. Um, and then uh, we'll we'll wrap it up with any news that might come across the wire here before we uh, before we get out. So hopefully, I always say it's going to be a quick show because, guys, I don't want something to drag on. I don't want a podcast to drag on. I want to make sure that you guys, uh, when you listen, you come away wanting more rather than, man, that really took a while to get through. That was brutal. I've listened to those kind of podcasts, and that's the last thing we want to put out as far as content. So uh, with that being said, I do want to plug the, uh, the giveaway we're giving. As of right now, guys, it's still up. Um, we're giving away uh, one indoor club seat ticket to the Monday night football game against the Rams, Packers-Rams right there at Lambeau Field in December. I think it's December 19th. 
and the entry requirements is to, if you go to my Twitter account, you'll see the pinned tweet. Make sure you retweet retweet that tweet. That's hard to say. Um, and also make sure you're following the account. That'll enter you into the contest one time. And then if you want to continue to donate to Drew's GoFundMe, that same Twitter has that GoFundMe account attached. Um, being 100% transparent, we already hit the goal, which is awesome. We're going to blow past that goal now to get him some extra supplies for the seizure service dog uh, that he's getting. And it's, it's really, really cool. One of the emailers actually mentions that here today. So I'm going to touch on that a little bit more, but that if you, for every $5 you donate to that GoFundMe, that'll enter you into the contest one additional time. We've had several people that donated a, a lot of money, obviously to a great cause, but also uh, get multiple entries into that contest. You get a better chance of obviously winning that, uh, that ticket. And like I had explained before, I don't want to waste too much time here on the front side, but we're going to attach numbers to each entry. So if you entered 20 times, you're going to have 20 numbers, and then we're going to do a randomizer uh, on the podcast one day and announce the winner so and and whoever wins that is actually going to be in the indoor club seats with me and jacob and uh, i'm going to bring my wife along you'll get a chance to to meet us and we're just going to kick back uh drink a cold one eat some good food and watch the packers and the rams lock horns so it's going to be awesome no pun intended actually yeah well pun intended with the rams so with that being said let's get right into the show guys because i want to be able to get to all these and do them all justice and uh the first one is a long email, and I'm going to try to rattle through it quick here. Please stay with me, okay, because this is really worth talking about, and it led to the history segment, but I think it's important to people get a chance to kind of tell their story, you know, same as I have, and uh, and I think it's important that we all know who's listening to the show as much as the host. It's, you guys are way more important than this dumb redneck that's giving content from Tennessee. I promise you that, and you guys add so much to the to the show. It's important to, to touch on it, so the email comes from the email address is W, and I hope I'm saying this right, rising or reesing um 58 at gmail.com he said clayton i first want to let you know i'm sorry for the loss of your father-in-law he sounded like an awesome man i understand how it feels both my dad and my father-in-law passed away just a quick story about my dad he was in the service too he's a korean war vet after 9-11 my son joined the army wow that's awesome just uh, what, what an awesome family my parents my wife daughter and i were uh, at his basic training graduation ceremony uh, unit after unit passed in front of us as well as they marched off the field. There were over 1,000 uh, young men who marched uh, past our spot in the grandstands. My dad stood there at attention for about 20 minutes saluting them. He had cancer. He had a cane. It was hot. His arm was trembling. Oh, man, that's <laughs> goosebumps, dude. It's just awesome. I told Dad the flag had passed and it, was necess- it, it wasn't necessary to salute every soldier. He said he wanted to. Man, this is hard not to get emotional. Wow. He said he wanted to. Uh, I reached over and put both hands under his arm to help help give him support. And we stood there and honored our newest soldiers, uh, all of them. I'm so proud of him. So the reason uh, I finally decided to send you a note. A few weeks ago, first of all, I I hope I read that okay. I, I hope I did it justice the way I read it because that is just... That's what this country is all about, man. People making sacrifices for each other. and Wow, it's just awesome. So he said, a few, week, a few weeks ago, I was looking at Drew's GoFundMe page. My wife and I had already made a contribution a month ago. Thank you for that contribution. We really appreciate it. Um, I have been trying to think of a way to get this fundraiser finished. And one of my ideas was to tell Ryan that uh, that I would match the most recent contributions. I wasn't sure when I, when I wanted to start how much uh, I would be willing to donate. I would need to speak to my wife about it. Same here, bro. Hey, happy wife, happy life. Um, she's the brains of my operation. I pr- promise you that. Um, everything was up in the air. 
Before I can make any decisions, you came out with your fantastic idea, and it's working so well. I just wanted to tell you I appreciate your efforts. Well, uh, thank you for donating, man. Um, finally, uh, a few times <clears throat> I have thought about sending you an email based on on your podcast. A little bit about my Packers love. My parents moved our family to Minnesota in 1965. Even though the Vikings came into the league in 1960, most of Minnesota was still Packer territory. I never even thought about that with the, the, the Vikings coming on so much later than the Packers. I bet there were a ton of Packer fans in Minnesota territory. That's I, I, Honestly, I've never really thought about that. That's cool. As you know, Green Bay had a three-year run, 65, 66, and 67. I was 7, 8, and 9 years old. The perfect age to form my love for the Packers. We only lived in Minneapolis for one year. That was 1965. After that, we moved to Peoria. In the age uh, before the internet, it was almost impossible to get any information of the Packers in central Illinois, but I stayed with my first love. Uh, A few times, I was able to take my then-girlfriend and now-wife to the game in Green Bay. A few of my dad... Uh, a friend of my dad, I'm sorry, a friend of my dad would sell, sell me tickets to a Packers game, and it was the Sunday after Thanksgiving. Not being married, we had to drive up to Green Bay and back to Illinois on the same day. That's cool. It was normally a four-hour drive each way. After we were uh, after we were married, we were able to buy tickets to a, a few games in Milwaukee. When I was in my early 20s, I asked uh, her if I should put my name on the waiting list. She said she thought I should. At the time, we were there were 25,000 people on the list, and it was thought it would take 20 years for the tickets to become available. When they remodeled in 2001, I received a note from the Packers asking me to call their ticket office. They told me I was still 3,000 away with the additional seats. I might get tickets, and I might not. I was on the Green Bay package I was on the green package waiting list if I switched over to the gold package the old Milwaukee package they said I could get tickets either that year or the following year while we no longer uh, drive to Green Bay and home on the same day it made sense to make the switch I'm pleased that my son grew up a Packers fan and he is indoctrinating his boys that's what I'm talking about right there that's a good man Uh, I sorted I sort of helped him with the process I didn't spend my money buying stock the last few times but i did buy a share uh, of both my grandsons they are framed and hanging on the wall in their bedrooms that is freaking awesome um i shake my head in amazement when i think about the seven-year-old boy living in minneapolis who decided to join his friends and and follow the most popular team in town i never thought about my grandsons wanting to do the same thing many years later it was a frustrating struggle to watch them play in the 70s and 80s i have really appreciated what they've accomplished in the 90s and on as far as the history segment top topic you might want to consider how george hallis helped keeping the bears in green bay or helping keeping the Packers in Green Bay. Maybe you should do that for one of the Packers-Bears weeks. Just so you know, um, there is no team I dislike more than the Bears, misspelled intentionally. <laughs> in 1956, Bears legend George Hallis helped keep the Packers, helped save the Packers uh, in Green Bay. As uh, Huff uh, recounts, Hallis spoke forcefully at a rally to encourage locals uh, local voters to approve public fundraising for reconstruction of their football field. Otherwise, in the preview of what current NFL business maneuvers would become, the Packers were likely to leave Green Bay forever. Um, Hallis obviously wanted to beat the Packers twice per year, but also didn't want them to leave. And the writer had a soft spot 
Uh, the writer wrote, uh, Hallis had a soft spot for the franchise as well. He encouraged league leaders to re- to reinstate the Packers after a 1922 scandal. So what I'm going to do, I pulled up an article that talks about those two things, okay? And I'm going to try to uh, read this off without being so boring. I know this is a long history segment. We're a few minutes in, but I really really think it's important that if, if Packers fans are listening to this and they don't know, this is very, very important. So this was written by Bob Fox. Um, this was for a Chicago newspaper back in 2014, and it shows an awesome picture. I've never seen this picture before, but it's Curly Lambeau and George Hallis looking at a paper, and they're both grinning, and they're both in their suit and ties. It's just a really cool picture, but it says, I recently wrote a slideshow which included information about the all-time series record between the Green Bay Packers and Chicago Bears, which dates back to 1921. The Bears hold a slim uh, 92, 89, and 6 edge in the regular season while the teams are 1-1 one and one in the postseason. Keep in mind, this was in 2014. The two teams will play for the 188th time in the regular season on Sunday night at Lambeau Field. In terms of overall championships in NFL history, the Packers have won 13 in their rich history, which is tops in the league, while the Monsters of the Midway have won 9, which is second in the NFL annals. Um, included in the total are... Uh, four Super Bowl wins by the Packers and one Super Bowl win by the Bears. Uh, the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame is adorned with players, coaches from both uh, Packers and the Bears. Chicago has, ensh- has sit 26 enshrined in the Canton, Ohio, while the Packers have 22. No two teams in the NFL have more. The list would obviously include Curly Lambeau, Vince Lombardi, and George Hallis as coaches. Throughout the near century that the two teams have played, there have been no doubt about the heated rivalry that the two teams have which eat with each other. But even with that, the two teams have been helpful to each other. Much has been said about the intense hatred that Hallis and Lambeau had towards one another, but that was more of a reflection of their teams at the time. Still, both teams lent a helping hand when needed. For instance, it was Hallis who played a significant role in getting together league partners in 1922. Remember this, guys. We did a history segment about the Packers getting kicked out of the league, the NFL relaunching, and they had to pay a little extra to get back into the league. Well, here's the story behind the scenes. Uh, their league partners in 1922, to allow Green Bay back into the league after the Packers were banned for using college players illegally. Ironically, it was Hallis who originally discovered that infraction. So Hallis caught them cheating, turned them in, they get kicked out of the league, and then Hallis goes back and vouches for them. How cool is that? The Packers and Lambeau paid back Hallis and the Bears during the Great Depression when they lent them $1,500 to meet payroll, so they also loaned money to the team. Uh, Years later and after Lambeau was gone, Papa Bear helped to rally the people of Green Bay to vote for a new city stadium uh, later called Lambeau Field, which was built in 1957. So he helped create the fundraiser and helped rally the fans to create Lambeau Field. Um, with donations. But there were two other instances that really helped the team out from Green Bay. Um, For one, both Hallis and Paul Brown of the Cleveland Browns highly recommended Vince Lombardi to the Packers as they were searching for a new head coach in 1959. So we talked about Jack Venisi really putting a plug in for Vince Lombardi being a fellow Italian-American, right? Well, here you, you hear that both Hallis and Paul Brown of the Cleveland Browns at the time said, look, you you guys are going to be stupid if you don't hire Vince Lombardi. So it's obvious that this team is struggling so bad, and if they don't win soon, they're not going to, they're not going to last in the league. And here you've got these two icons, arguably the two best head coaches in the history of the NFL in Paul Brown and George Hallis. If you don't know about Paul Brown, take a few minutes and Google search Paul Brown and what he did for the game. He was a pioneer in the game of football. Um, that foresight would help 
would come back to bite Hallis as Lombardi and the Packers had a 13-5 record against the Bears from 1959 to 1967, not to mention the five NFL championships and the first two Super Bowl wins that Lombardi and his Packers won. The Bears did win the 1963 NFL title during that era, however, but the biggest contribution Hallis ever made to the small-town franchise in Green Bay was in revenue sharing. Owners like Hallis and the Mara family of the New York Giants helped the Packers get an equal share of the revenue that was given to the teams in the NFL uh, with the advent of TV contracts, which have made the NFL the most popular pro sport in all of America. Bottom line, the Packers and Bears have a rivalry which dates back 93 years. This is in 2014, guys. Just it's, it's unbelievable. No two teams have won more championships than these two have, nor put more people in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. There is no doubt that both Green Bay and Chicago have looked at the big picture overall and helped each other out when assistance was needed in the past. That has made the NFL a much better league. Guys, the Mara family and the Hallises saying, we've got all this TV contract money. You know how easy it would have been to be greedy and say, no, that's our, that's our media outlet. That's that's our, uh, our TV contract that we sign. That's our fans capitalizing on that. We're keeping that to ourselves. And honestly, there would have been nothing wrong with that. But they understood what the league could be as a whole and say, why don't we share this with the small market teams? Why don't we make it an even playing field across the board? Because they knew that all of these teams would continue to spring up across the country. And whether it was a large market or a small market, all of them were in this thing together. Really what you've got, guys, is all of these owners, and it's why I'm kind of pro team over pro player most of the time. All of these owners, all 32 of these owners, or all 31 plus Mark Murphy who represents ownership for the Green Bay Packers, they're one big team themselves. Every decision they make, they try to make it based on how is this going to affect the league? How does it make our league stronger? How does it, you know, when they accept an owner into the league, it's not just the highest bidder, but going in, people have to meet certain qualifications. And those owners get together and say, how is this owner going to make our organization, the National Football League, the Shield, a better business overall? And who is going to make it a better business overall? And I just love that about the National Football League. It mixes the two things that I'm so passionate about, other than my faith and my marriage. The two things that I'm most passionate about in life are business and uh, and football. And it mixes those two perfectly. And I absolutely love it. The National Football League's king, and it's always going to be king. I want to say this. I wish I knew what this guy's first name was that sent the email in. Um, I believe I'm pronouncing the last name right, Weising. Thank, or Rising, I'm sorry. Thank you so much for taking the time to email us, man. That is an awesome story. I knew a little bit about uh, George Hallis and the Mara family helping out, but I didn't know all that in detail. So once again, a fan uh, emails in a topic for the history segment, and I'm the one who comes away learning something. So I I definitely appreciate that, man. So um, awesome. So with that being said, guys, great history segment. We're going to take a quick commercial break. And we're going to get to the uh, remaining two emails, and there's going to be some really good information in here as well. We're going to go rapid fire and try to get you guys out of here quick. But first, let's take us a, a quick commercial break and pay some bills. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view 
on all possible cards and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, the next email. This comes from Eric Spiegel, um, and he said, Hi, hi, awesome Clayton. My name is Eric, and afraid I'm not on Twitter and uh, at all, but still wanted to donate, and I'm going to leave the amount out, and finish off the total for Drew's service dog. And he said, please don't share the amount if you read this on air, winky uh, emoji. So I think I did that correct. I hope, hopefully I, I was, it was okay for me to mention. If it wasn't, I'm going to mention it anyway, Eric, because you need to be edified for that, dude, um, being willing to donate. Um, I, I just love his community, man. The way everybody comes together to help people, it's just so awesome. So he says, I'm a Christian business owner like you and have been blessed with a very good month. So like you say, those those that are blessed should be a blessing towards others. I really appreciate your rants and little extras you add to your episodes and can't thank you enough for being a part of the Packernet podcast. Um, I do have a question, if you don't mind. What is one of your favorite memories of being a Packer fan? May blessings continue to be with you. Uh, your fan for life, Eric. P.S. Roadhouse. I love it, dude. I love it. Um, well, first of all, man, thank you. Uh, thank you for the kind words, dude. I really appreciate it. And um, no matter how much I do um, or try to give back, I-, I want people to understand, man. I make so many mistakes every day. I'm I'm the farthest thing from a perfect person. <laughs> but uh, the the stuff that I was able to experience as a kid and growing up, it really opened my eyes. I just remember so many times as a child. Um, and, and dealing with, uh, drug abuse and alcohol abuse in the house, you know, with, with parents and, um, they were great parents. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to dog my parents. It's just, it is what it is. It was a different time. They, they were much better than their parents and I wanted to be much better than them. Right. And, and kind of stomp that addiction out, um, right here with, with my, uh, uh, with, uh, with, you know, my era, I guess you could say, or whatever, you know, my life. And I wanted to clear the family name, but, you know, growing up and seeing stuff like that, I just remember as a kid always thinking, um, God, why can't, can, is there nobody out here that can help me? Is there nobody out here that can help our family? My mom's doing everything she can, you know, working her tail off. My dad's disabled. Um, and it's like, when I say disabled, you know, he got hurt on the job. He actually um, worked for the United Steel Workers and had a horrible accident that, 
that absolutely destroyed his neck and his back. But um, long story short, I just remember thinking, why why does it seem like no one wants to help? And and that's something that I remember, man. If I ever get my if I ever put myself in a position in life. And I didn't necessarily think about this as a kid to this level, but obviously as I got older, I'm like, I'm going to make, it's pretty selfish to only make one enough, to only want to make enough money for yourself and not make enough to help other people. And that's just the way I see it. You can't have more of what you're not willing to let go of. If you want more money, if you want more success, if you want more freedom, whatever it is you want, you got to be willing to sacrifice that for other people. And I think that's what it's all about. And it's, I appreciate you saying that you're a Christian business owner like me, um, but, you know, even then, it's not just about being a Christian. I don't care what your religion is. I don't care what your political affiliation is. It, you can be a good person and be of different religions. Now, am I going to sit here and BS you and, think, and, and just say, oh, well, I think your religion's crazy. It's not my place. You know, my, my religion says you're not allowed to judge people. So, and I catch myself doing it all the time. And I'm like, Clayton, dude, you need, you're a knuckle, quit being a knucklehead. Quit being an idiot. You can't even follow the rules yourself, and you're going to tell somebody else how to live. So I, I'm, that's what I mean by I'm a different kind of Christian. But anyway, you, it doesn't matter what your religion is. It's about helping people. But I really, really appreciate you taking the time to send that out. Sorry for that rant, although you said you enjoyed it. That wasn't fabricated. It just is what it is. Um, I get talky on that stuff because I'm passionate about it. And for so long, I was just numb in life, and I didn't feel like I was making a difference. And all it took was one day to have a light switch flip and, and someone else reach out and help me and remind me of how I felt as a kid. And like, all right, dude, it's time. It's time to quit being selfish and help other people. So with that being said, my favorite memory as a Packer fan, and it, it is almost impossible to narrow it down. One of the early memories was Brett Favre's performance after his dad died. And I just remember him standing at that press conference. And at the time, I was not a Christian. And I remember him saying, and I know Brett Favre's not perfect. I'm not here. To, I don't want to hear the rants about he may have done this, may have done that. You know, again, I'm not perfect. It's not my place to judge. I just remember him standing at the podium and saying, um, you know, whether you believe in divine intervention or whatever, um, I know something special happened tonight. Because you could see how every single play fell into place. He was just chucking the ball up in Brett Favre fashion. And and I'm thinking, he's either going to lay, lay an egg or have an awesome game, and he had an awesome game. That's one memory, but that's not my favorite memory. I think my favorite memory is the Clay Matthews play. And if you guys remember, um, this, this should stick out to you um, pretty vividly. In the Super Bowl run there in 2010, they, the third quarter had just ended, and the Packers had kind of gone flat. The Pittsburgh Steelers had started to come back, right? And uh, during the break there at the end of the quarter, um, you don't see it live, but later on the sound effects episode where they had everybody mocked up, you hear the story. I remember watching it that week, that next week after the Super Bowl going, oh my God, this might be the greatest story in the history of the Green Bay Packers. Just how it happens suddenly. But at that break, at the end of the third quarter, Kevin Green pulls Clay Matthews to the side. I'm going to read an article real quick, and then I'm going to give you my take on it, okay? It said, Kevin Green passed away today. This was written in December 22, 2020. Kevin Green passed away today unexpectedly. He was 58 years old. Green's a former linebacker legend for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Los Angeles Rams, and Carolina Panthers. Then after retiring, Green went on the, on to coach the Green Bay Packers outside linebackers. With Green there, Clay Matthews became a Defensive Player of the Year. 
there's a famous moment in the Super Bowl where Green goes up to Matthews and breaks down the situation to him as Pittsburgh is driving. Here's the speech. Uh, then here's the result. If you guys hear a little snorting back here, that's my dog, Nitschke. He's in the floor rolling over, scratching his back. Dude, you got to be quiet if you're going to be on the show, okay, man? If you're going to be in the studio, chill out. Um, so I'm not going to play that video for copyright purposes, but it says Matthews knew the play all along and stripped the ball. There is a real case to be made that Clay deserved a portion of the Super Bowl MVP. It is a major play in the game, and he played – I can't say that word. His bleeping bleep off. Green got a Super Bowl ring because of the Green Bay Packers, despite never playing for Green Bay. He was one of our own. This is a major loss in the football world, um, and so sad to lose someone so young and right before the holiday season. Uh, rest in peace, Kevin Green. Charlie. Okay, so that play, first of all, I was so excited when Kevin Green got hired as the outside linebackers coach for the Green Bay Packers. First of when when they hired um, Dom Capers, I, I jumped out of my seat. I was like, finally, we're going to get a 34 zone blitz scheme. This is a defense that had dominated the NFL for so long. And here's how I was so familiar with it. You guys remember me telling you that my brother um, was a huge Steelers fan and he kind of indoctrinated me into being a Steelers fan right at a young age. I had my Cordell Stewart jersey. They were great in the 90s when I was a kid, really falling in love with football. And Kevin Green was one of those outside linebackers that was just he was a man bear for the Steelers, right? And I remember Dick LeBeau being the defensive coordinator for so long and him stepping into that role. And when they hired Dom Capers, I knew Dom Capers was from that Dick LeBeau coaching, uh, you know, coaching tree. So I got really excited. And then they said he was bringing on board Kevin Green to coach Clay Matthews and the young outside linebackers. I'm telling you, I was beside myself. So I got really excited about studying the 34 zone blitz scheme. And I know the team stays in nickel quite a bit, but that zone blitz scheme stayed the same. You're basically, uh, you know, trying to overload one one side or the other, or maybe you're you're bringing some pressure up the middle. But the goal is wherever you blitz from, you're gonna you're gonna fill that zone with the dropping. Um, defender. You know, the big play that stands out to me, and it's one of my favorite plays all time, was the BJ, BJ Raji interception in the NFC Championship that same year. That was what we call a fire zone blitz. Raji was lined up, I believe it was in the uh, in the A-gap. He was in a one technique on the left side, if I remember correctly. And uh, what Raji jabs in, engages with the offensive lineman, drops back into underneath coverage, picks the ball off, takes it for six, and does the Aaron Rodgers belt celebration. Biggest belt you ever seen in your life putting on that boy, but awesome, awesome play. But back to the Clay Matthews play. So the end of the third quarter happens. As you guys know, Charles Woodson breaks his collarbone, right? He goes out uh, there right before halftime. All of the air was taken out uh, taken out of the Green Bay Packers. It was All the momentum just seemed to shift to Pittsburgh, in my opinion. It just felt that way. And at the end of the third quarter, uh, they get a break. Clay Matthews goes over and talks to Kevin Green. And here's what Kevin Green says. I'm kind of paraphrasing, but I've watched it enough. I know almost verbatim exactly what he said. But he said, everybody's always looking to Wood to be the leader. Well, he's gone, meaning he, you know, Woodson got hurt. He said, nobody's stepping up and rallying the effing troops. It's time. It is time. That's what he said to Clay Matthews. So Clay Matthews goes back on the field. There's still a little bit of time before the start of the fourth quarter. You know how the Super Bowl is. Everything's drug out. And Clay Matthews looks at the personnel that Pittsburgh brings on the field. 
And he starts telling his teammates, guys, I got, they're looking over here. They keep looking at me. I have a, I, I'm almost positive they're going to run at me. They're going to run a power at me, meaning the, the guard is going to pull and they're going to try to take advantage of Clay Matthews' aggressiveness. Well, <clears throat> he obviously caught on to that from studying film. That was the thing that really went untalked about with Clay Matthews was how smart of a player he was. You know, in his prime, there was nobody better in the league, in my opinion. He fizzled out kind of quick, but at the same time, he's a Packer legend in my eyes. So, he comes to the line, and sure enough, they you know Ben comes up, starts his cadence, and he hollers at Pickett, who's lined up. If I remember correctly, he's either he might be in the three technique. He's he's playing defensive end, and I believe they might have been in the base. I, I don't know exactly. I've got it's funny. The reason I'm looking back here right now, turning away from the mic, is because I've got the play drawn on my board behind me. I've got a blackboard background with great Packer plays and Packer history. And this one is drawn, and it looks like what I'm showing here was they were in a nickel defense. So, um, no, actually it was a 34, I believe. It looked like a 34 base. It might have been an under. But anyway, Clay Matthews runs up to the back of Pickett, you know, the defensive end, and says, Pickett, spill it, spill it, Pickett. And what he means is, they are running it my way. You, what you see is Pickett immediately shifts over one lane. He shifts over one gap. And what he's doing is he's going to try to blow up the power play in the backfield. He's going to shove the offensive lineman back so the pulling guard can't get out in front of the play, and Clay Matthews is going to attack the edge. And that's exactly what happened. Pickett spilled it. Clay come off the edge. He got to the hole before Mendenhall did. Bam, nails him, perfect pad level, puts the pad right on the football, football flies in the air, Green Bay Packers recover, and the momentum completely flips, the rest is history. I absolutely love that memory as a Green Bay Packer. Again, there are so many memories that are awesome that I got to experience, uh, some being right there in Lambeau Field. You know, I got to see Brett Favre surpass 50,000 yards. I was in attendance for that, for that game where they stopped the, the game and all that. I got to witness Aaron Rodgers' very first touchdown pass on his very first start Monday Night Football against the Vikings. I was 13 rows from the field. I was in the end zone where Aaron Rodgers scored his first rushing touchdown, spiked the ball, and did a Lambeau leap right in front of us. But this memory here meant so much to me because of the childhood ties to Kevin Green and the Pittsburgh Steelers and uh, uh, Dom Cake. Dom Capers learning under Dick LeBeau, the 34 zone blitz scheme, and how ironic, it's, it really is destiny, that that play unfolded against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Kevin Green coaching the linebackers opposite sideline. I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't write it more perfectly for my personal experience as a fan. So um, I got to say, back to the emailer there, um, uh, Eric, that's hands down. I was kind of, when I started to talk about this topic, I was a little bit hesitant to be like, ah, oh, man, I don't know if it's my favorite, but it's one of the favorites. No, uh, it's definitely my favorite. Going back to a kid, uh, you know, a little uh, 9, 10-year-old kid and my brother uh, coming home and, 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 hey, let's watch the Steelers play on TV. And he was he was in on military leave. He was serving in uh, Desert Storm active duty um, and uh, – and it's just something that stuck with me. So it's so cool that that many years later, and what's really awesome, during that Super Bowl, right before the game, my brother called me and said, hey, man, I just want you to know that I'm pulling for the Packers today. He said, uh, I, I want your, I want you to, to experience your team winning a Super Bowl so bad. I'm a Packer fan today. And it meant the world to me because I know how he was a diehard Steeler fan. Now, did he mean it? 
I don't know if he meant it or not. He might have been just trying to be nice, and then he hung the phone up. I'm like, psych, I hope they blow the Packers out. But I, I remember that phone call beforehand, and I remember telling him, man, it's an opportunity for Kevin Green to get a, to get a ring because he was a huge Kevin Green and uh, and uh, Greg Lloyd fan. He loved that Blitzberg defense is what they called it. So anyway, hope that answered your question, Eric. It's a little long-winded, but that was fun, man. That's fun to go back in time, and especially when things are personalized and you have you know personal memories of events. It's really, really cool. So uh, let's move on to the next email. Okay, the final email here, and we'll get you guys out of here. This comes from Andy Monday. He's a, a great, great fan of the show. He's always uh, sending emails in, love the feedback he gives. He said, hi, Clayton. Back in Kansas after a great Wisconsin trip to see my parents, four siblings and their families and friends, starting to feel the true NFL offseason hibernation. Uh, thanks for the uh, continued pods, keeping up the hype. We should all feel about our team. Which three players or plays from last season struck you as a mover, and in quotations he puts, you were moved to jump out of your seat or move to a motion, improver, a player or play that came out of nowhere, and a bruiser, a player or play that smacked a potato salad out of the other team. Love the sensory right there, guys. That's where the censorship there is beautiful. Smack the potato, potato salad out of the other time. I'm going to use that. I'm writing that one down. Um, my mover was Rodgers' touchdown run versus the University of Chicago Bears and his, quote, I still own you comment. My improver is Rashawn Gary. My bruiser moment is Robert Tunyon's block of Nick Bosa, perhaps giving Santa Clara a new fault line. Ever heard the story of former Packer running back Travis Jervy buying a line? God's blessings, Andy Monday. That's awesome. I have not heard that story, but now you're going to have me digging deep. If you get a chance, Andy, email me back with a link or something to that Travis Jervy story. I'd like to see that, man. But I'm going to answer your question here. I'm going to try to do it in rapid fashion. We're making pretty good time. But So here is my mover, the, the, the player player that made me jump out of my seat. It was hands down Rasul Douglas against the Arizona Cardinals. I was watching that game. Usually I watch the games. Um, I've got an awesome setup up here in the studio. I've got a 75-inch 4K TV, and it feels like you're sitting in the stadium. I'm usually up here. But I told you we moved my father-in-law and my mother-in-law in in with us before my father-in-law passed a few days ago. And my mother-in-law is a huge football fan, huge football fan. So anytime there's games on, she's like, can you put the football games on for me? So this one we were watching downstairs because it was a primetime game. So we're in the living room watching it. And I just remember that last drive. And uh, we kind of talked about this the other day, Jacob and I did. And it it was just, uh, you know, Murray taking the Cardinals play after play right down the field. And we're backed against the wall. And I remember sitting on the couch thinking, this is going to (laughs) suck, right? They're going to score a touchdown and win this game. And he throws that ball. And as soon as it left his hand, I stood up and I seen A.J. Green. I was like, oh, no, this is the perfect matchup for them. And when A.J. didn't get his head head, head around and that ball stuck to Russell Douglas and he picked it off, I came up off the ground I'm listen. I'm a 39 year old white guy. I have no ups whatsoever. Okay, maybe there was a time back in my baseball days I could jump, but not now. But I felt like my head was going to hit the ceiling, and the way that he just nonchalantly goes over, waves to the crowd, and you see the one Cardinals fan with his, you know, completely hunched over with his face, you know, his hand, his face in his hands. It was just awesome. That was definitely my mover play, right? It made me jump out of my seat, and it made me realize maybe Russell Douglas is a gamer. Again, I agree with Ryan. 
the jury's still out. That was one good year, right? And it wasn't like he played out of this world. He was just a pick, uh, you know, a pick uh, machine, right? Let's hope he does it again this year. But that's definitely my mover play. Okay, improver. Hands down, Devondre Campbell. Um, Devondre Campbell obviously had no success anywhere else. He comes to Green Bay. He says he wants to play for Matt LaFleur. He reaches out to Matt LaFleur. Hey, I want to be there with you. They go out and sign him. They got Joe Barry coming in, who's a linebacker specialist. Everybody said it was a horrible signing, a horrible hire. It was a horrible signing of Devondre Campbell, and it was a horrible hire of Joe Barry as defensive coordinator. Lo and behold, those two would be a match made in heaven. Right. And just the way Devondre Campbell came in and improved from previous years was just awesome. It was his first real opportunity to be the guy, to be the Mike linebacker, the guy that never comes off the field, the guy that's the, the somewhat of a defensive team captain. Right. And it was his ability to maintain gap integrity. Uh, against the run is what really stood out to me. Every time that he was playing the run, it was like he was one step ahead. He's got great uh, physical ability. There's no denying that, right? I mean, you you see it week in and week out. But the thing that stands out to me the most with Devondre Campbell is he's got one or two steps ahead. It's like he knows how to dissect the play. And his gap integrity was awesome. I was watching a highlight reel earlier, and every play where he plugs the gap, it's like last second right before the ball snaps, he he makes a slight adjustment, and he's in the gap, and he knows exactly what the offense is doing. That doesn't come natural. That comes from film study. That comes from not leaving the facility. All the things that Quay Walker talks about, Devondre Campbell has been for him already. He's like, this guy knows how to work. He knows how to put the time in, and I'm just shadowing him. I'm following him around everywhere I go, which makes me feel really, really good about Quay Walker. But also, while he was playing with that that gap, uh, you know, that run gap integrity, I never felt like he was sacrificing his uh, pass coverage responsibility. And the way that he flowed into the zone, both <clears throat> both dropping uh, from short to deep and then flying in from deep to short, the thing that really stood out to me the most with pass coverage was he was, again, before the pass was even thrown, he was breaking on the ball, breaking on the receiver on those underneath routes, and he stuck to him with a great, great tackling uh, form. Like his tackle grade must have been off the charts. And, and every time that Jacob and I break down these four-week intervals or four-week saturations of last year's recap and I see a high tackle grade, I go, you can thank Devondre Campbell for that because not only is he a great tackler, but guys, tackling is a habit. Good tackling is a habit. And all habits are, they're duplicated. Every, you know, your leaders set the tone for your locker room, right? And if if he's he comes in and he's a great tackler, that's going to breathe throughout the locker room. And I think you've seen that across the board. I think it's a huge, huge aspect of defense in the NFL. And it goes uh, unnoticed most of the time. So now let's move on to the next one, the bruiser. You know, he said his bruiser uh, was definitely Tunyon knocking out Nick Bosa. That would have been my number one choice. That was awesome. That crack block, Tunyon putting Bosa on his keister. Pretty boy Bosa, one of the best edge rushers in the game, absolutely annihilated him. I agree. But since you took that one, I'm going to go on to another play that stands out to me. And that is the matchup with the L.A. Rams. A.J. Dillon gets the ball. They hand him the ball. I can't remember specifically what play it is. If you if you go to that game and watch the highlights, you're going to see it because I believe it definitely got him nominated for angry runs on Good Morning Football, but it might have got A.J. Dillon the uh, the saber that that week. But A.J. Dillon comes through, uh, through the gap there, and Taylor Rapp, the safety for the L.A. Rams, comes up to make the hit, and it was just boom. 
perfect pad level, full head of steam. On the highlight reel, they were talking about when they were doing angry runs, they were talking about how people are comparing A.J. Dillon to Earl freaking Campbell with his size, with his athleticism, the way that he plays underneath his pads. He's just uh, he's a blast to watch. But he lowered the boom on rap. And if you watch it, uh, rap that safety – He's, it looks like he's swimming. It's the most beautiful thing ever. He's Both of his arms are reaching out and flailing forward trying to grab A.J., but what he doesn't realize is A.J. hit him so hard, he had already flew backwards three yards, and A.J. Dillon's still in the same spot, right? And he's just swimming, right? He's just grabbing at air as he was falling backwards. It was awesome. So if you get a chance... Go watch A.J. Dillon highlights. Look for that play. When you see a L.A. Ram uniform from the 2021-2022 highlights, get ready because you're going to see A.J. Dillon bring the boom on Taylor Rapp. It was, um, I believe his name was Taylor Rapp. If I if that's not his name, then that's great. I'm I'm disrespecting an opponent, and that's all right, right? But I believe it's Taylor Rapp, the safety. I know his last name is R-A-P-P, but he brung the thunder, and uh, that was definitely my bruiser play from last year. So uh, Andy Monday, dude, great topic. I love it. You know, we're kind of rehashing last year in this dead time. We're not going to be talking about Mount Rushmore's. We're not talking about our favorite bar food. We're not wasting time on the air. We want to get into the uh, the nuts and bolts of what made last year a special year. Yeah, we came up short, but there were so many positive things to talk about as well. And when you guys bring these kind of uh, topics, man, it, it really, really makes it fun. So Andy, thank you for the email and, uh, and the other guys too. Thank you guys for taking time to, uh, to email of the show and, and also the emailer um, I believe his name was Eric I don't want to get it wrong here I know it wasn't Eric it was actually the first one uh, there with uh, Rising if I'm saying that name right thank you so much for the sacrifice your family made and uh, and your family serving in our military do we 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 have uh, we have so much uh, so much gratitude right and uh, and appreciation for what your family sacrificed to make sure that we can sit here and talk football on a Tuesday afternoon and not have to worry about the safety of our, our family, our friends, and our fellow citizens. So uh, we, we definitely appreciate that. All right, we're going to sign off here pretty quick, but I do want to say one little nugget that, that Ryan covered, and, and I've seen it come across the Twitter wire as well. It got me got me really excited. It did. Um, you know, uh, there's rumors swirling, and it looked like some fairly uh, – reliable sources you know there's a couple blue check marks in there i know nowadays with the media and the way they lie it's it doesn't it doesn't necessarily mean anything that it's someone who's a part of a large you know a large media group but i'm hoping it's true so i'm going to label it as a rumor right now i asked the guy um can you give us just a vague description of your of your source and of course he didn't say anything i just want to know is it somebody within the building where are you hearing this from but here was the news um that Tight end Bob Tunyon, the rumor is he will be ready for week one of the regular season. Guys, we were totally expecting him to start on the pup list. And Bob Tunyon in this offense, I know he's not a superstar player. I don't even know if I classify him as a great player. But having a tight end that can somewhat stretch the field, and the thing that I will say about Bob Tunyon, it is so rare that I've seen him drop a pass. He has strong hands. He has very, very reliable hands. And uh, I'm excited that that there's a good chance that he's going to be on the field for week one. That's going to be huge for our offense. So that came across the wire. I thought it would be worth mentioning. I know Ryan talked about it a little bit. But, uh, you know, in case that you guys didn't catch that part of his show and you're listening to this, it's definitely worth mentioning that Bob Tunyon's looking like he's on track. If these rumors are true, he's on track to uh, to start in week one. And that's great, great news. Him, 
you know, linked up with Big Dog and Josiah DeGuara. I'd love to see Josiah DeGuara take another step this year, and no better time to do that when you're just randomly spelling out, uh, you know, Big Dog and, and Bob Tunyon as they're getting a breather. You come in with fresh legs on those linebackers that are already gassed on a six or an eight-play drive. Um, that's the time for Josiah DeGuara to really step up. So I, I'm, I'm excited to see what this tight end group does. Um, Big Dog, I believe it was uh, Ryan on his podcast that was talking about I think he's going to set a record for being one of the oldest players to catch a pass when he does catch a pass, and uh, that's exciting too, right? I don't know if it was the oldest tight end or oldest pass catcher in general, but I'm really, really excited to to see this tight end crew, and I, I want Big Dog to get a ring. And Hey, what better year than this year, right? So uh, with that, guys, we're going to sign off. Really, really appreciate you taking time to hang out with us. I know you could be listening to anything in the world, and, and you choose to, to hang out here with us. And as you guys hear from the emailers, um, it makes the show better when you're here. I know you're probably thinking, yeah, yeah, right. I, I don't add anything to the show. Yeah, you do. Your little bit of feedback on Twitter and just interaction there. Anything on Twitter that's non-toxic is is heroic in my eyes. That that place is a circus right now. And uh, taking the time to email the show and add content and give me ideas, I, I certainly appreciate it. So thank you all for listening. Uh, we're going to get on out of here. As always, let's go out and be the change that we want to see in the world. And go Pack Go! Dalton.